Live around the globe, it's time for Rudy Max's World on the SSI Radio Network. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bear, man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I travel, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. Get on the phone now and call 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. Or email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. And now, the savvy traveler himself, Rudy Maxa. Welcome aboard. I'm getting reports from around the country that spring has finally arrived. The thermometer here in Minnesota, where I'm spending the weekend, is threatening to touch 70. It's a miracle. Believe me, it hasn't touched 70 here since, I think, last September. Anyway, listen, if you haven't made plans for the coming week, you should know that Sunday is the start of one of the few weeks of the year when entry to any national park is free. From this weekend through Monday, April 27th, you can take uh, the family or your favorite person to a national park. Admission is on Uncle Sam, or more officially, the National Park Foundation that's the official charity of the country's national park. So there you go. Through Monday, April 27th, admission for everyone to all the national parks in the U.S. are free. By the way, Tuesday, April 22nd, is Earth Day. If you're inclined to help out on a park project that day, National Park Service will be happy to help you. I posted a link on my Facebook fan page that will point you to a park in your area that could use your help. Just go to that link, and you just type in where you live, and it'll show you a park and what possibilities are available. Uh, what better way to, pleasant way to teach kids to give back. Got a gigantic show today in this first hour. We're going to ask an operations manager why those TSA pre-check lines at airports can sometimes take more time to clear than the regular line where passengers have to take off their shoes and jackets and remove computers from bags. Then we're going to talk, listen to this, this is an interesting concept. We're going to talk to an inventor who's come up with a radical and, in my opinion, incredible invention. He has spent years figuring out how to embed solar cells in our, in our highways, in our roads, like the entire highway. I've been trying to get Scott Bruce, Brusaw, that's his name, on the show to talk about this for two years, but he kept telling me, no, I want to wait till I've completed a prototype first. Well, he has just done that. And he's going to join me at 18 after the hour to unveil his idea for the first time on radio. And not only is admission free to national parks this week, if you lived in the upper Midwest, May is Museum Month in Minnesota. Lori Sutton of the Minnesota Historical Society drops by to tell us about a couple museums that will be letting kids in for free in May. Then, as part of the show's irregular series on folks who decide to drastically change their lives by hitting the road for years, we'll meet a couple who sold their house, and now, say for the rest of their lives, they're going to live in temporary rentals all around the world. They go to Paris, rent an apartment for a month, go to Brazil, rent an apartment for two months. They're doing this year-round. Lynn Martin is co-author with her husband, Tim, of the book called Home Sweet Anywhere. They're going to explain, or she's going to explain, how they do that. But first, let's take a quick look at some of this week's news and travel. You don't need me to tell you about sinking of the sinking of that ferry off the coast of South Korea this past week. It's all over the news. Suffice it to say that our hearts go out to the victims and to their families. As I broadcast this show live at 10.08 Eastern on Saturday, keeping in mind many of our stations time shift the show until later in the day or into Sunday. Your station may do that. Keeping that in mind, the number of deaths totals 32, but the fear is another 270 or so victims are still in that sunken vessel. You also don't need me to tell you about the continuing search for the wreckage of Malaysia Airlines Flight 370. That, too, is all over the news, despite the paucity of any new information for weeks now. Again, as of Saturday morning, Eastern Time, the submersible is searched in the seabed of uh, about 250 square miles of the seabed with no results yet. 
And as if that wasn't enough grim news, or maybe this is proof that bad news comes in threes, word came that an avalanche early Friday morning Nepal time killed at least 13 Nepalese guides on Mount Everest. Again, that's as of Saturday morning at about, what time is it, 10, 9, uh, 10, 10 Eastern. The uh, Sherpas were fixing ropes for others to use in upcoming climbs. It was the deadliest disaster in history on the world's highest peak. At last check, three other guides were missing. The number could go up uh, among those killed. Four were injured so badly they needed to be airlifted to medical facilities. The avalanche hit at the very start of the climbing season at Mount Everest, above where hundreds of climbers, guides, and support staffs were preparing at the mountain's base camp, still are, for an assault on the peak. This is the second work, excuse me, the second worst disaster on the mountain, this being the first. The second worst disaster took place on May of 1996 when eight climbers, not Sherpas, but climbers, died in a blizzard. Journalist Jack Krakow did a riv- John Krakauer did a riveting job of documenting that tragedy in his best-selling book called Into Thin Air. Well, at airports all across the U.S., the Transportation Security Administration has been rolling out security checkpoints that offer passengers who are American citizens a way to pass through security faster. You pay a fee, you register, you shouldn't have to remove your shoes or light jackets, you can keep your electronic devices in a bag. It's called TSA PreCheck. But some PreCheck flyers are finding they're standing in line longer than if they'd gone into the regular security lines. Dr. Fred Van uh, Bandicom uh, teaches operations management. Uh, excuse me, Bandicom teaches operations management at Boston's Northeastern University. He's also a principal at a Bolton, Massachusetts consulting firm called Great Brook. Uh, Fred, welcome to the show. Nice to have you here. Uh, very. Thanks for having me, Rudy. Good to be here. Well, I understand that on your own time, you have been watching airport security lines and timing them. Is this because you can't help yourself because you're an operations manager? <laughs> well. Partly, it's, I don't exactly time them, but sure. What I in my the teaching part of my professional life, I teach operations management, so that's uh, workflow design, process flow, capacity analysis, and I have particular focus and expertise in service systems. So whenever I'm in a service system as a customer, whether it's a Dunkin' Donuts line or a uh, TSA line, I'll kind of observe the system. I certainly don't pull out a stopwatch and start timing things because I'd probably be escorted into a back room for an interview. <laughs> but I'll do the thing that a lot of us do. You, if it's a long line, when you get in line, you look at the other lines and you try to pick out somebody who got in line at exactly the same sure. time you did, and then you see who gets through first. And so I know you wrote a piece. thing I'll that... do and try to figure out, okay, if this were an exam question for students and I asked them to identify opportunities for improvement, what am I seeing that could be done better? All right, well, let's put that to the, to the uh, pre-check lines. You have noticed, apparently, a couple places where pre-checks uh, uh, move more slowly than the regular line. Do you know why, having watched that? You know, I don't know exactly why. All I can do is speculate because I'm not privy, obviously, to the way TSA runs things. But, you know, an example I had once at Boston's Logan Airport in Terminal A, there were a lot of people in the pre-check line, and I had pre-check that time. I'm Mm -hmm. not formally in the program, and I look over at the priority line, and there's, you know, a couple of dozen people in that. And then I look over to the regular line, and there's no one in the line. People were literally (laughs) walking up to the ID check and then walking right up to two empty uh, screeners. So I, I don't know what's going on, except that maybe what TSA is doing is attempting to do some load balancing and moving people from the regular lines into the pre-check line, and they're not doing it exactly right. You're never going to be perfect 100% of the time, but I've seen sometimes where you have to step back and wonder whether the way that they're moving people on the random basis into the pre-check line, they're not doing it properly. Yeah, I have seen that at Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport that I fly in and out of a lot. And uh, it sometimes has to do with the flow of uh, ebb and flow of flights. I mean, if there are a whole lot of flights 
But, you know, maybe there are just too many special people now getting that pre-check. And, and you're right. I mean, you ought to use common sense and say, well, wait a minute. If nobody's in the regular line, I don't mind taking off my shoes and jacket if I can go through 10 minutes faster, right? You're right. And, you know, one of the one of the challenges in any kind of a queuing system is when you set up specialized lines, you can actually degrade the performance of the system overall. Mm. And so right now we've got three different lines. We've got the pre-check, we've got the priority line just for elite flyers, and then the regular lines. And especially in a smaller airport where you have a smaller scale of operations, that could lead to more wildly fluctuating wait times. Exactly. Fred, I thank you for dropping in for just a short time. We may call on you again as we watch this develop. Thank you. I welcome it. Thanks so much. Fred Van Benekom is uh, a teacher's operations manager at Boston's, Boston's Northeastern University. Stick around. You'll like what's coming up next. To participate in the program and speak with Rudy Maxa, call 800-387-8025 or email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. Travel rewards usually take forever to earn and even longer to redeem. Introducing Orbitz Rewards, the instant approach. Earn and redeem rewards instantly. Book a flight, use the rewards right away for your hotel. Book your hotel and use the rewards to stay longer. Book a package, well, you get the picture. Earn even more when you book using the Orbitz app. 5% on hotels, 2% on flights. Join today and get instant vacation gratification. Go to Orbitz.com rewards. That's Orbitz.com rewards or visit RudyMaxa.com under sponsors. Are you suffering from itchy skin? It's terrible. The itch you can't seem to scratch, being miserable and uncomfortable, you just want immediate relief that lasts. You need TriCalm. It's new and not like the same old itch products in your medicine cabinet. Dermatologist recommended TriCalm relieves itchy skin in minutes, and it's backed by the itch-free guarantee. If TriCalm doesn't stop your itch, just mail them the empty tube and they'll send you a full refund. TriCalm comes in a blue and white box in the first aid aisle at CVS, Walgreens, and other fine retailers. Get TriCalm today and get relief. Would you wait a week for your shower to get hot? <laughs> Would you wait up to a week to feel maximum relief from your nasal congestion? Nasacort Allergy Nasal Spray could take that long. Ugh. But if you're congested now and you want powerful relief now, Afrin No-Drip starts working in seconds <sighs> and keeps working for 12 hours. So why wait up to a week for maximum relief from your nasal spray uh -uh. when you can start to get relief in seconds with Afrin? <sighs> Afrin, powerful congestion relief without the wait. Use as directed. Geico presents Strange Saving Stories. Sam Tucker woke to find crop circles in his cornfield that spelled out the word Geico. Was this a message sent by aliens? Sam went to Geico.com and saved hundreds of dollars with great discounts. He woke the next day to find new crop patterns had formed. They spelled out, you the man. It seems the aliens were pleased indeed. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. To join Rudy Maxa, call 800-387-8025. You can email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. Now back to Rudy Maxa's World. It's 18 minutes after the hour, and this segment of Rudy Maxa's World is brought to you by Orbitz, who reminds you that travel rewards usually take forever to earn and even longer to redeem. But with Orbitz Rewards, you can redeem rewards instantly. When you book a flight... You'll get Orbucks. You'll get a certain amount of points and dollars that you can apply instantly to a hotel stay. If you book your hotel, you can use your rewards to stay longer. E you can earn even more when you book on the Orbitz app. 5% on hotels, 2% on flights. Check it out at Orbitz.com slash rewards and get instant vacation gratification. I first came across this story a couple of years ago. It was about a guy and his wife, Scott, 
um, who's we're going to talk to in a moment, Scott and Julie Broussard, who were working away at finding a way to embed solar cells into highways as a way of collecting energy, obviously, from the sun on these flat surfaces that are sitting there. Also a great way to heat up the roads in cold climbs when it snows or, uh, uh, or ice forms on it. And I called Scott and Julie. I said, hey, you got to come on the radio show and talk about this. I love this. And they said, no, nope, not until we got a prototype. Well, that was two years ago, and they have a prototype. And I'm delighted to welcome Scott Broussard to his first radio interview on this subject. Scott, thank you for coming on the show. Hi, Rudy. Thanks a lot. By the way, Scott's an electrical engineer with 20 years of industry experience. Um, and tell us a little about how you came. I mean, where did when did the, you know the, to use the cliche the light bulb go off? Where you went? Wait a minute, we got all these flat roads out here. Couldn't we embed solar cells in them and use that? It's actually I got to give my wife credit for that. Julie, okay. Yeah, we met we met like over 50 years ago when we were little kids. Her mom used to babysit me, and <laughs> right. back then my favorite toy was my slot car track, little electric vehicles on an electric road. Mm-hmm. And my big brainstorm back then as a little kid was if we could make real roads electric, then kids could drive. You know, relieve our parents that awesome responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> and that stuck with me my entire life. I've still got pictures or drawings from high school and stuff and how you would make an electric road. And later on, I got my electrical engineering degrees and had the ability to do that, but had no more reason. I didn't want kids to drive anymore. <laughs> but then when all this story. talk about uh, global warming started, what, about 10 years ago, and Al Gore's movie and all that came out? My wife turned to me one day and she says, couldn't you make your electric roads out of solar panels? And oh, I laughed goodness. at first. I said, you can't even step on those things, let alone drive on them. They're, they're really fragile. And she just dropped it. And But we just, I kept thinking about it. It got stuck in the back of my mind. And I started realizing that if you could make a structurally engineered case, you could put solar cells inside and anything else you want. Well, you'd have to protect it from you know the abuse of an 18-wheeler. And that's kind of how it got born. And so you started working on this how long ago then, really started think, working on it? Actually, working on it, we got a, an actual contract with the Federal Highway Administration to make a new paving material that could pay for itself over time. And this was in 2009, so that's when the actual work began. All right, and you have just unveiled a prototype, and if you go to uh, Scott and Julie's website, it's solarroadways.com. I'll repeat that as we come to the close of our interview in about seven minutes. Um, you'll see uh, this. So tell, tell, this is not just something you built in your backyard and you think it might work. You have had it tested in, uh, on a number of criteria, haven't you? Yes. We're, uh, I'm an electrical engineer, so a lot of this is structural engineering and civil engineering, you know, road building stuff. So that's over my head. So we contract different uh, civil engineering universities around the country to do our testing for us because there are really three big things we had to do. Uh, or hurdles to get over is where the glass was concerned. We had to put a traction surface on it to prevent all the cars from sliding off, of course, the first time it rains. Right. So we sent it off to a traction testing lab, and we just got more and more aggressive with our texture until one day they called me and said, you got to back off. You're, they test this with what's called a British pendulum test. and has a rubber boot on the bottom of it, and they drop it from a certain height, and it skids to a stop, and they measure how long it, that skid is, and that gives you a coefficient of friction. Well, the, we got so aggressive, we tore that boot off. So we <laughs> All had right, to so back you, you off solved the friction bit. problem. <laughs> yeah. You so solved we, the friction problem. We had exceeded, you know, asphalt and concrete. Okay, and what so we were did, your other two criteria then? Uh, load testing, how much weight could it handle, mm-hmm. and something called impact resistance testing. For instance, what happens if a semi-truck gets a big rock stuck in its tread and starts slamming us into the road repeatedly? Mm. Right. And we passed those tests with flying colors. So you now have a surface embedded with solar cells that... Get, that that, theori- well, I mean, technically can withstand uh, highway abuse, huh? It can, yeah. 
And what is the so who who is looking at this and applauding besides me and 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 all your friends and Julie obviously? I mean, who is saying this could work? Where could we try this? Well, our own city of Sandpoint here in North Idaho has applied for a grant with the Federal Highway Administration to replace some of their. It's a four season resort type town, and they've got uh, a bustling little old west type downtown section. They want to replace their sidewalks with our technology and some of the ah. roads and some areas out by City Beach. Ah, is this, uh, by the way, if you've just tuned in, we're talking with an uh, uh, electrical engineer who has got multiple patents and, and his hardware and software. It's sold all over the world, and he, has come, he and his wife have come up with an idea to embed solar cells in flat surfaces like roads, and in this case in Idaho in their hometowns, sidewalks. And uh, they've been working on this for years. It now has been tested officially in labs to, that it can sustain you know, trucks with stones in their uh, tires, etc. Scott Broussard is my guest. He's the president and CEO of Solar Roadways. You can find a picture of uh, their prototype at solarroadways.com. All right, Scott, um, is, is this an expensive, is this hugely, ex- I mean, obviously, as you, if, if this ramps up, there are savings to be had, and, but for the moment, is it very expensive to produce, uh, you know, half a mile of these? Or? We haven't even finished the, the prototype parking lot yet. We've got 80% done, so we can see the results of the energy harvesting and all that. So we haven't even done our cost analysis yet. It will be more okay. expensive than asphalt, obviously. Of course. But unlike, I mean, you're comparing apples and oranges. Of course. Because unlike right, right. an yep. asphalt uh, road or driveway or anything else, it doesn't pay for itself. And this will, the minute you get done building it, it's been against spinning your electric meter backwards if you're a business or your same thing for a home. Was I correct in introducing you that not only will it add power to the grid on nice sunny days, but it, it can also be useful in winter conditions to to uh, melt snow and ice? Correct. So we this is heat- phenomenal. Each uh, solar road panel has heating elements, LEDs to illuminate the road lines, or write verbiage, whatever you want to do with them. Oh, my goodness. And collects energy, of course. And... And in, in your mind, in your conception, when you look out to the future, is it your idea that, that entire interstates will be solar cell or just patches of them? The entire thing. That's our ultimate goal. We've, uh, when we first started, we looked this up, and there's about 28,000, well, there's actually over now, 28,000 square miles of paved surfaces in the U.S. that are exposed to the sun. If we were to replace those with our technology, we could produce three times more energy than we use as a nation. And that's almost enough to you know, power the entire world. This is extraordinary. What, what, is the, what does the federal government say about this, the folks who gave you a grant to start off? They're excited. Um, at first, I think a lot of people are skeptical, but I send in monthly reports, and I think they're all on board now. And they're, they're, it's, it's exciting to them, too, I believe. And you said your prototype is going to, is, is this a parking lot that people actually park on? We haven't started parking on it yet because we're still installing, but that's what it will be. It's, uh, it's actually a test strip beside our electronics lab. It's 12 feet wide by 36 feet long. There's pictures of it on our website. Okay, and the sidewalks, in, in, uh, what is your hometown in Idaho? Sandpoint. Sandpoint. Uh, the sidewalk in Sandpoint, uh, do you know how long that strip might be? We don't know yet. They're applying for a grant to see how much money they can get, and that'll dictate how much you know, footage we can put in. Uh, what, what do you hope to do? That's one. I mean, we, we would love for the first projects to be local because we, there's all kinds of things we're not going to be able to anticipate as far as problems are concerned. So the, the right. closer it is and they're 30 minutes away, that's where we could work lower at some of our you know, learning curve. The state of Idaho also wants to do their rest stops with our technology. Ah. ah. But what could... 
Go ahead, I would sorry. love to see that because if that works, you know, everybody comes through the state and sees that and go back and talk to their people, like, look what they have in Idaho. And if every state were to redo just their rest areas, well, that does your infrastructure for your electric vehicles. Sure. Go into any rest area and recharge and go all the way across the country. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, don't know. <laughs> big oil, big coal could try to shut us down. I couldn't tell you. Oh, 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 well, I was just thinking of what could hurt the road. I mean, obviously, if, you know, you know oh. some oil well, spill. Well, would... thing. Um, let's say a semi-truck flips over and bounces and tears up the road. That's going to happen right. no matter what kind of surface you exactly, have. Exactly, exactly, right. Ours is modular, so you can just yank out the, the damaged pieces and put new ones in. I can just give you an example. Let's say a bolt of lightning hits one of our panels. Our panels right. cover about four square feet. Each one of our panels has a microprocessor, and they talk to each other all the time. And I've got a little routine called, are you still there? They just constantly say, are you there? Are you working fine? And if one of them stops talking, it's a hexagon shape, so it has six neighbors. If one of them stops working, six neighbors know about it immediately. So it's almost like the Christmas tree. Yeah, if they all agree that this this guy isn't uh, communicating, they can call it into a maintenance uh, shop. And these things weigh 110 pounds, so one guy could throw one in the back of his pickup truck, drive out there, unbolt it, pull this one out, put the new one in, reprogram it, and be out there in five minutes. So Unbelievable, and and it's like a Christmas tree where one light goes out, the rest of them don't all go out just because one exactly. got one panel gets broken. Exactly. Well, Scott, I, I mean, I stand in awe of you. I, I I'm not an engineer, but uh, good luck to you. And check this out at SolarRoadways.com, and we'll follow Scott and Julie's progress. Thank you so much, Scott, for joining me. Well, thank you. Don't forget about Indiegogo campaign we're launching on Earth Day. Ah, Indiegogo. So you can raise, helps raise some money for Scott and Julie in the study. Indiegogo, raising, uh, starting on Earth Day, which is Tuesday. Rudy we'll Max's world is coming right back. So get on the phone now at 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. You can also enjoy the program anytime at RudyMaxa.com. Ron Delano, Attorney Houston. If you've been diagnosed with mesothelioma, you may be entitled to a tax-free share of billions of dollars that have been set aside for mesothelioma cancer patients. Secondhand asbestos exposure can also cause mesothelioma. Many patients were exposed to asbestos and didn't even know it. Call right now to get the facts about your legal rights and possible financial compensation. Call 800-764-3000. 800-764-3000. 800-764-3000. This eczema is driving me crazy. All I do is... No matter what I use on this dry, itchy red skin, I can't stop... Introducing the first eczema lotion from Cortisone 10. It contains the strongest non-prescription itch medicine to relieve the... Plus seven moisturizers to help heal severe dry skin. Once you start using it, you'll stop the for good. Ah, that's better. New Cortisone 10 Eczema Lotion. Feel the heal. To participate in the program, call now at 800-387-8025 or log on to RudyMaxa.com. Here's Rudy Maxa. Welcome back to the show. One thing I learned when I moved to Minnesota about 10 years ago from Washington, D.C., um, I went downtown to Minneapolis and visited the Mill Museum. I did not know that Minneapolis and St. Paul were basically in the 1800s, uh, I believe in the early 1800s, the, the country's headquarters for grain. 
The grain was grown in the Midwest. It was milled here because there were some falls near uh, Minneapolis, or right in Minneapolis, on the Mississippi River, which allowed uh, them to build granaries um, next to the Mississippi River, next to because the water powered the turbines necessary to ground the grain. And uh, it was a dangerous business. There were a lot of explosions because if you if there was a spark anywhere near air filled with flour, or flour dust, or grain dust, for lack of a better phrase, there would be a big explosion. Which explains why today the Twin Cities is headquarters for uh, the prosthetic industry. They had to make a lot of artificial legs and arms for workers killed in mill accidents. You can still visit the mill museum I did if you come to Minneapolis, and I would certainly recommend it. It's a great, uh, it's a great tour, and it's one of, oh, hundreds of museums in this state, in Minnesota, that will be celebrating Museum Month in May. I'm delighted to be joined by uh, Lori Sutton. She's the chief marketing officer of the Minnesota Historical Society. Lori, did I come anywhere close to the the truth about the milling industry here and the prosthetic industry? You absolutely did. And um, oh, the title of the museum is Mill City Museum. So it's a terrific place for families. It's a terrific place for adults. One thing I love about it is there's this great observation deck where you can look out over the Mississippi and that wonderful uh, stone Arch Bridge we have in the Twin Cities. And that Stone Arch Bridge was built by a railroad mogul named James J. Hill who decided he wanted to link the upper Midwest with the West Coast. And then he realized, wait a minute, he could bring tourists into Minneapolis if you would just build this beautiful Stone Arch Bridge across this Mississippi River. And so it was used for leisure trains, uh, I guess probably some uh, freight as well. Um, it's now a pedestrian bridge, but it is gorgeous. And you look down on the Mississippi River, it's quite great. But you're absolutely right. I just was fascinated by the history of milling in America, and whoever thought I'd be fascinated by that. Um, you also you can also tour the Charles Lindbergh Historic Site here in Minnesota um, and learn about Lindbergh as a boy. Yep. Yes, and that's also a beautiful site on the Mississippi. And there's a new program there for families this summer, which uh, I think is going to be quite delightful, that really looks at um, what was he like as a kid. And um, how do kids imagine nations today really, um, really, really are the same as what Lindbergh experienced as a boy here in Minnesota? Did did I understand correctly? There are about six hundred museums in the state of Minnesota. We do have about six hundred museums, and about three years ago, um, several of us in the museum field got together and said we need to celebrate this. So um, we decided to name May as um, Minnesota Museums Month. We've been celebrating for three years, and uh, this year, um, close to the 600 museums we'll all be celebrating um, at the Minnesota History Center and Mill City Museum. We're going to offer free admission to kids all May, which I think is just terrific, and also free admission to moms on Mother's Day. And you've also put out a map called Visit Minnesota History. Uh, So if you're in the upper Midwest, um, how can one get this map? You can get this map by visiting any of the 26 historic sites and museums that Minnesota has throughout the state, um, or you can go right to our website and our call at the History Center and ask for one to be sent to you. And it's a really a terrific guide. Um, I think it, it highlights well, some of the museums that... I'm opening it up here. Are... Oh, good, I'm, good, good, I'm good. opening it up here, and basically what it shows is about 26... Uh, great museums or historical sites in Minnesota. Uh, to get a copy of this, to plan a trip, would, would they go to? Would, would the public go to MinnesotaMNHS.org? That's correct. That's All right, that stands correct. for Minnesota MN Historical Society. MNHS.org. Well, here's a James. Dot org. Right, exactly. That's and uh, correct. 
and you'll get this map, which is uh, which will tell you how to find these historic places because it's a long state. Minnesota is right up to Canada, and uh, it, it's a big place if you do the the, the length of it, um, all the way up, to, as I say, up to Canada. And and uh, so if you live in South Dakota or North Dakota or Idaho or Wisconsin or Illinois, come on over and check out uh, May Minnesota Month. The website is MNHS. Lori, how long have you been in this business? About twelve years, and I love it. Um, mm. One of my favorite sites is the Jeffers Petroglyphs in southern Minnesota. I don't know if you've been there, Rudy, but I it's haven't. terrific. It's, um, you know, a, right out on the prairie, there are sacred American Indian rock carvings. You can see buffalo. You can see thunderbirds. And it's really a hidden gem. Uh, it's near Comfrey, Minnesota, so it's a drive. You pack a picnic lunch and head down there, and you will be delighted. Who's Jeffers? Why is it called Jeffers Petroglyphs? I think it's just because of the area. There was a town near there, but um, uh, it's uh, we just discovered about five thousand new um, rock carvings, and so it's it's really an incredible experience for people of all ages. You, you say five thousand? Yes, yes. It's a lot of rock carvings. Uh, it, Right, right. And our site manager out there has created his own um, little device for being able to see these rock carvings really well, even when the sun is real bright. Mm-hmm. So you go out there, you get make sure you go on the little tour with Tom Sanders, and it's, it's pretty cool. Okay. And uh, uh, on Sunday, the t- expected temperature is 70 degrees, so spring may go. actually come to Minnesota. There may actually be buds on trees in a week or so. Uh, <laughs> hard to believe, those of us who uh, who have lived here for a while. Thank you for her dropping in, Lori. Appreciate it. MNHS is where you can find more details. And Lori Sutton is the Chief Marketing Officer of the Minnesota Historical Society. Take care, Lori. Thank you. We'll be right back in just a moment to meet a woman who, along with her husband, sold the house. They're going to live around the world. Call now to talk to Rudy Maxa at 800-387-8025. You can also email the show anytime at info at rudymaxa.com. Suffering from allergy congestion? On my nature walks, I couldn't smell the flowers or breathe in the fresh spring air. Then I discovered Allegra D. Allegra D decongests and depressurizes with a fast, non-drowsy antihistamine, plus a powerful decongestant for 24 hours of congestion-free breathing. Now I don't just appreciate nature. I breathe it all in. Allegra D. Stop suffering. Start breathing. Look for Allegra D at the pharmacy counter. Starts working in one hour. Use only as directed. Visit Allegra.com. Geico presents Strange Savings Stories. Jason Ray noticed a blue birthmark had appeared on his forehead in the shape of the Geico Gecko. Jason felt compelled to switch his car insurance to Geico and save hundreds of dollars with great discounts. By nightfall, the birthmark had disappeared. Jason's wife, Jeannie, thinks it was probably just blueberry jam from breakfast. Jason prefers to believe otherwise. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Geico presents a man who just saved on his motorcycle insurance. What up? Evan here. Question. You like apples? I'll get to that in a minute. First, check out my motorcycle. Flames? Yep. Saddlebags? Yep. Room for two? Negatory! Sorry, ladies. I ride solo. Now, wait for it. How you like them apples? Aw, don't cry. Ensuring this beast was crazy easy. Called Geico and boom, saved enough to buy a sidecar. Now, if you dry your tears, I might just let you ride in it. Geico Motorcycle. See how much you could save. Ladies, are any of these symptoms familiar? Hot flashes, sleeplessness, irritability. How about low libido or weight gain? If you're a woman over 40 experiencing any of these symptoms, you probably have hormonal imbalance. 
And until you balance your hormones, it can be practically impossible to get relief from these problems. But you're in luck because Ambrin can help you balance hormones and relieve your hot flashes, sleeplessness, irritability, and other symptoms of menopause. And now you can finally lose weight with Ambrin Weight Loss, a powerful new product that will help you get the results you want. So you can finally lose the weight and all those other awful menopause symptoms. Call now and ask how you can get your free sample of Amber and Weight Loss. Just call 1-800-226-3216. This is a limited time offer, so don't wait. Call Amber and right now, 1-800-226-3216. That's 1-800-226-3216. 1-800-226-3216. Ron Delano, Attorney Houston. If you've been diagnosed with mesothelioma, you may be entitled to a tax-free share of billions of dollars that have been set aside for mesothelioma cancer patients. Second-hand asbestos exposure can also cause mesothelioma. Many patients were exposed to asbestos and didn't even know it. Call right now to get the facts about your legal rights and possible financial compensation. Call 800-764-3000-800-764-3000-800-764-3000. Get out the map, get out the map and lay your finger anywhere down. To participate in the program, call now at 800-387-8025 or log on to RudyMaxa.com. Here's Rudy Maxa. Welcome back to Rudy Maxa's World. Nice to have you. It's 43 minutes after the hour. And over the last few months, we've been talking to folks who have just decided to go travel. And I'm holding in my hand a new book called Home Sweet Anywhere, subtitled How We Sold Our House, Created a New Life, and Saw the World. It's written by Lynn Martin, who, along with her husband, sold their house and decided... They would just travel the world and rent an apartment for a month or two here and just go from place to place. Now, Lynn, how long have you been doing it? I oh, about three years now. And is the goal to just keep doing this until you, you're tired of getting on an airplane? Rudy, we're going to do it till the wheels fall off. Until <laughs> the wheels <laughs> fall off. You and bet. do you have a master plan sketched out over the year, or do you go to some place and while you're there think, hey, maybe the next place ought to be... Well, we do have a bit of a master plan. We we rent houses and apartments through Home Away, and we do that, you know, pretty uh, ahead of time. Let's say six months or so, because it it's more comfortable for us because we stay a month or so at a time, and we like and to really know where f- we're going to be. And you really find going to HomeAway dot com and renting six months is the best. I mean, you really you don't want to do it a week before you want to find a place. Mm-hmm. Not really, particularly if it's a very uh, popular place, because you really can't, you, you don't have as much wiggle room to, to negotiate and to find right. the thing you're really looking for. Right. Now, what did uh, friends, families, and neighbors say when, you say when they said, what are you selling your house for? And you said, oh, because my husband and I want to go live in strangers' houses for the, the rest of our lives. <laughs> well, they were pretty speechless at first, I'll tell you. But when we explained to them that our formula was so simple, our little arithmetic is we just traded our house overhead for our travel overhead. That's it. I mean, it's nothing very complicated. I and found they began that interesting. to understand it. I found that interesting that you you think I mean you basically maintain you can live about the same for about the same price on the road as you did carrying whatever uh, you know expenses you had in your home is that right? That's exactly it. And you know what the beauty part of it is that it's actually worked out that way after three years. I, we we were hoping it would, and it really did. And our financial advisor is beside himself with pleasure. That's your financial advisor calling on your cell phone right now. I think, in fact, I don't. 
sorry. I don't know. What's <laughs> like, that saying, what are you doing, Lynn? You're crazy. Um, so, okay. So wh- where did you go first? Oh, gosh. We started in, uh, we went to Mexico, and then we went to uh, Argentina, Mm-hmm. And then we uh, spent a lot of time in Europe that first uh, for, the, in, for our first phase, Germany, um, England, Ireland, uh, Turkey, Morocco, Italy. We've lived a lot of neat places. Did you ever have, and, and, and what's your average stay? We, st- we never stay less than a month. Okay. And sometimes uh, we've stayed up to three months in, in places. Did you ever have, I mean, I'm sure there have been moments for the, what forever reason weren't your favorite in your life, but did you ever have like a bad month where you just went, ah, I can't wait to get out of here? We've had a couple of times where we, we left and, early. And was that because we, of the quality of your accommodations or we, what? No, you know, that really has never been a factor. We've had, we've just really enjoyed all of the places we stayed, uh, the home away places. But it sometimes there, uh, there are just factors like, in Argentina, the people are we found at that time anyway were not very happy. Their economic situation was pretty right. shaky, and so we weren't having very much fun. And we've learned to when we're really not happy, we go, we move on, and uh, you know, sort of a bit, we we left there in about six weeks. We planned two months. Well, things and haven't gotten we made, any better in Argentina, I can tell you. But uh, uh, yeah, well, but, we'll give it another go another time, maybe. Let's, I, I'm a big fan of Buenos Aires, but I know what you're talking about. But that raises the question of making contact with locals. I know, for example, in Paris, you went to, uh, is it Jim Haynes? Is that, is that his yeah. name? He's, he's famous for, he's an American expat. He's famous for running these weekly get-togethers where you give them 30 bucks or something and yeah. you come over for a, a buffet meal and you know these other visitors are there and you make friends and so on but but when you don't have a lubrication mechanism like that for lack of a better well, it's a pretty clumsy phrase isn't it? Um, <laughs> when you don't have something that's bringing people together beyond, you know that, that somebody else is doing it how do you connect well, you know, that's one of the advantages of living in a neighborhood instead of being in a hotel, mm-hmm. because we don't live in the, in the uh, tourist areas of places. We live uh, outside, you know, a little bit in the regular neighborhood. And it's funny, because after, just after a week or so of just walking up and down the street, doing your regular thing, going to the market, doing this stuff, you begin to be known in the neighborhood, and people start smiling and nodding, and you beca- it, it just evolves that eventually you end up in a conversation, and from there you begin to build some friendships. Lynn, I'm going to ask you to stay through this commercial break. Will you do that with me? Absolutely. Lynn Martin is the author of a new book called Home Sweet Anywhere. I'm going to ask her how she packed for a lifelong, (laughs) rest of her life on the road, and a couple other questions. You're listening to Rudy Max's World. Glad you are. Stick around. We'll be right back after this break. We'll continue our conversation with Lynn Martin about the home-free movement. Rudy Max's World phone lines are open now, so call us at 800-387-8025. We'll be back after these messages. The telephone number to call the program is 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. Or visit the show online at RudyMaxa.com. Here again is Rudy Maxa. Welcome back. We're in the middle of a conversation with Lynn Martin, who, along with her husband Tim, sold their home and a lot of their possessions, a lot of their stuff, we all have stuff, uh, and decided to just 
spend the rest of their retirement years traveling around the world and living a month or two in, uh, in different homes in great places in the world. Um, Lynn, can I ask you what age group you and your husband are in, and are you rich? Yes, we're terribly rich. That's a joke. We are not rich. <laughs> okay, well, that, this gives hope to people like me who aren't rich who might want to do this someday. Well, as I told you, uh, and I'll, uh, let me answer you the first question first. I'm 73 and my husband is 68. Okay. And, and no, we're not rich. All we did, we just simply, as I told you in the beginning of this uh, talk, we we traded what our overhead was in living in our house in California and took mm-hmm. that money and and transferred that over to a travel budget. And the money we got out of our house, we put into our investment portfolio and our, our uh, investment advisor man- manages that and gives us an allowance. So, and the Social Security check goes into the bank account every month? That's it. So okay. that's, we are, we're living on the same as we were when we were living in California. Exactly. Okay. So now what... Uh, <laughs> What do you pack for a trip that could be endless? <laughs> as little as possible. <laughs> we really do. We travel light. We have a, two 32-inch uh, rolling duffels and a couple of carry-ons. And the rule of, of the day always is if you buy something, you have to throw something away or give it away, actually. So we don't buy very much. And we so aren't that's very how... fashionable, I'm afraid. We look like we're going to a funeral every day because we're black all the time. And, and where are you living right now? Oh, right this minute, I'm living in New York. You, you've rented someone's apartment or home there? Yeah, or apartment, we've, obviously. we've rented an apartment, and we live in Staten Island, where we can mm-hmm. look right across the water at the Statue of Liberty. It's fantastic. And do you, know, do you, you must know where your next couple stops are going to be. Oh, yes. We'll be going, uh, the 1st of June, we'll be in Paris, and then uh, in the fall, we're going to Mexico and Ecuador. Do you have children? Yes, lots. What, how, how are they four, feeling about it? Well, we have four daughters and seven grandchildren, and at first they were a little bit uh, uh, speechless about it. But they have they have learned to enjoy the fact that these their old folks are out there having a wonderful time, and they're coming to see us. That's what's really fun. Um, right. For instance, I have two. We have two granddaughters and a daughter who will be coming to us in Paris this summer, and we'll get to share that great city with them. So. You must be the, the the most fun grandparents in the world. <laughs> well, we're we are certainly more interesting than we were when we lived down the street. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Having a spirited discussion about how it feels to live in Morocco is pretty interesting to a kid. And are you? Uh, I mean, are you collecting and using frequent flyer miles for your flights? Oh yes, we yes everything goes on that uh, on that American Express card, so uh, so we have that mileage. But you know we we use ships a lot actually. We um, we take uh, repositioning cruises uh, back and forth. That's this uh, a repositioning cruise is when a cruise ship needs to, for example, switch in the winter from a European cruise route to a Caribbean one. They'll give you a deal on a cruise because it's a one-way one-way ticket to reposition uh, the ship. One of the things I found very helpful in Home Suite Anywhere, Lynn Martin's new book, is uh, the back of the book um, in which there are very are there bulleted tips on what to do, basic chores before you go, uh, um, uh, um, and then you go in each city and what's special about it, what you need to know. Um, you've got Italy, you've got England, you've got, you've got Paris, you've got Buenos Aires, you've got Marrakesh. Um, and, and just general tips like remember to laugh, write it all down, let annoyances fade, succumb to a checklist, and so on. I think that's a very, I mean, there have to be people listening to this right now going, you know, this is exactly what I want to do. Well, if so, this is a book for you, Home Sweet. Anywhere, is it out right now, Lynn? Yes, it is. It's everywhere. Okay. 
available. And it's on Audible Book, too. Terrific. And do you have a, a website where you blog? Yes, I do. They can just go to homesweetanywhere.com. It'll take them right to my blog. All right. And how long have you two been married? We've been married eight years. And how's it going? Um, I mean, excuse me. I mean, I mean, in light of <laughs> this is not a relationship show. I mean, how's it going in light of this constant? You're you're together twenty four seven, wearing the same clothes all the time. How's that going? <laughs> the clothes get boring, I'll tell you. But he never does. You, I, you know, we, he has Tim has a saying, which is if you're going to live in uh, five hundred square feet with somebody, you better really like her. And his other okay. saying is, if you're going to be in a, in a country where you don't speak the language and you don't know anybody, you are not going to pick a fight with that person you're with. So Excellent point. We get along very, very well. He's a, he's a gentleman. Good. And, well, uh, uh, we may check in with you down the road in six, seven months, see how things are going, but thank you for joining me today. <laughs> thank you. The book is Home Sweet Anywhere. The author is Lynn, L-Y-N-N-E, Martin. And uh, the website is homesweetanywhere.com if you'd like to uh, check on her uh, her, actually, it's homefreeadventures.com, uh, if I'm looking at the website correctly. Is that right, Lynn? Yeah. Okay, homefreeadventures.com. You're, we're coming into the first hour of Rudy Max's World. If your station's leaving us, it breaks my heart, and I know not many of our stations do, so I'm happy most of you will be back. We're going to take about a six-minute break, but I do want to, I do want to, you know, we lost Gabriel Garcia, uh, Garcia Marquez, the novelist, uh, the Colombian novelist at age 87 this week, and I just want to share with you as we sign off for this hour with one of my favorite quotes. He said, he wrote, It's not true that people stop pursuing dreams because they grow old. They grow old because they stop pursuing dreams. I presume Lynn Martin and her husband would agree. Stick around. Rudy Max's World will be back in about six minutes. You've been listening to Rudy Max's World. And as always, you're hearing must-hear radio on the SSI Radio Network.